You know what's really great about life? It's that no matter where you are or what you're doing, it's five o'clock somewhere. Lucy March. And I'm CJ Barry. And this is We'll Write for Why. Yes, believe it or not, we finally made it. <laughs> no kidding. Last month got a little overloaded, so we didn't do the podcast, and we apologize for that. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, there's only so many hours in a day, and mm-hmm. some of our hours are more critical than other hours. <laughs> this is very true. So, yeah, sorry. Anyway, tonight's show is all about guts. As in trusting them, not eating them, or puking them up. So it's gross. that kind of guts, <laughs> not the other guts, you know. And just so no one gets totally grossed out, we're going to call it writer's intuition. But really, it's your gut telling you what to do. Absolutely. And learning how to listen to that is a huge part of, um, of you know, kind of getting your, your sea legs as a writer. So, yeah. All right. So let's get drinking. What's on tap for tonight? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I'm drinking. Now, we, um, for people who've been listening for a long time, they know that we, um, when we did the podcast every week, we would do different wines, and you would have a wine, I would have a wine. And then we started doing it once a month, and we tried to get the same wines for, like, that <laughs> bonding experience. But getting the same wines, like, you know, In two different states, states apart. <laughs> yeah, didn't work out that well. So we're going back to our original, um, with which is where we each have a wine. And um, my wine tonight is uh, 2007. Fetzer Pinot Noir um, mm. for uh, $7.99 on sale at Kroger's. Um, mm-hmm. Alcohol content, 12.5% by volume. So it's a decent, mm-hmm. you know, it's got decent alcohol there. Um, yeah. The wine notes are, this Pinot Noir has easy drinking flavors of rich, ripe raspberries, strawberries, and just a touch of oak. Oh. So there's that. It's very mm-hmm. berry-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, why I chose it, honestly, because it was on sale. And I've always liked Fetzer wines. <laughs> I used to, um, when I first started drinking wines, and I, I liked, like, the sweeter wines and everything, I used to drink the Fetzer uh, I cannot pronounce that. Why would they even? <laughs> you anyway. have to be drunk in order to be able to pronounce it. That's Okay, well, I'll, I'll keep going then. Um, but anyway, no, it's, it's a good, it's a nice Pinot Noir. I mean, it's got, um, you know, it's got nice flavors to it. It's a little on the dry side, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I give, it, I give it four glasses. It's a solid Pinot Noir. I'm really enjoying oh, it. Oh, good. Especially for seven ninety nine. That's a deal. I know. And, How about uh, you? and well, and I read your notes. You you did the the mm-hmm. notes first, and then you mm-hmm. sent them to me. And I'm reading. I'm like, oh my god, she's drinking a red because I'm having a white tonight. <laughs> so it's like Freaky Friday. It is. It is. It is. It is. Uh-huh. Well, my wine is called Spring White by Bully Hill in the mm-hmm. Finger Lakes of New York mm-hmm. State, mm-hmm. Um, and it is a table wine. Uh-huh. I have no idea what year what year it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it cost seven ninety nine. Again, Ooh, freaky. It is freaky. I know. I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, alcohol content is eleven percent by uh-huh. volume. I don't know what by volume means. Well, okay, so here's mean? the thing. You know? By volume, I think of, you know, it's 11%. Like, maybe because it can vary, maybe it's like 11% of, um, you know, of like a big... Um, I don't know, what do they call them? Big vat? 
keg vat. What is it? It's a keg for beer. I don't know what it is. It's a barrel. A barrel of wine. I have no idea. There you go. But, um, but anyway, you know, it's a bevy of fish. It's a gaggle of geese. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, like, what the, so maybe, like, when it's it's 11%, like, in the big vat of wine, but as it goes into individual bottles, maybe that varies a little bit. So they say it's 11% by the volume. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my Could guess. Be. But if anybody out there knows better, <laughs> email me. Because at we know nothing about wines anyway. So. Exactly. All right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the wine notes are spring white is a fun, fruity wine. Ooh. Aromas of ripe white grapes arouse the senses, <laughs> followed by a mouth filling fruit flavors and a crisp, clean finish. In other words, it's the perfect date wine. Uh-huh. Yeah, Very I nice. think so. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why I chose it? Well, the sun shone this week. Ooh, that means in Syracuse. That, that's a big yeah, deal. in Syracuse. Yeah, <laughs> and that means that spring is only months away. <laughs> right. It's like there's no chance of the groundhog seeing a shadow in Syracuse oh, in February. Never, You're lucky never. if you see it in March. I know. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. 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 Uh, website on the bottle. Thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, yes. www.bullyhill.com. And I am going to give it 4.5 glasses. I really like it. It's It's a good good, one. It's nice and cold. It's really really good for a nice summer day. Absolutely. That's why I really like the white rinds. I'm sorry. Or what? Or a what? I I spoke (laughs) over you. I was extremely rude. See, no, Skype, I think sometimes I, I don't realize you're talking until like right after I start talking and then I never know if I, because by the time I stop, then you just started to hear me because there's that little internet delay, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> so we're like running over each other just a little bit. It's because we're in different states. That's I why. know. It's it's amazing modern technology that we can even pull this podcast off. So, Oh, yeah, <laughs> truly. All right. Okay. Well, now we're on to the cheers topic where we talk about whatever we want simply because we want to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I need to talk about the television show Community. I mean, I've been tweeting about this. Like, I watch it every week, and I love it. I've actually got a couple of... Um, of placeholders, which is when you take a, a character from your book and you cast them, you know, with an actor or whatever. So I've got a, for a couple of different books, I've got a couple of different placeholders on the show. So I watch it every week. Um, but uh, anyway, it got it just got renewed for another season. Thank God, because I would have been completely bereft if it hadn't gotten renewed. Um, I just adore it. It's got a very extremely weak premise it's like Joel McGale is this smarmy lawyer who's forced to go to community college when it's discovered that he never went to college at all somehow Mm. managed to pass the bar without going to law school or something Uh so he's like this you know fast talking guy there's so many holes in this I mean there's so many like like okay first he would get kicked out of the bar would he ever be allowed to practice law again And, 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 and if only if the only thing he can afford is community college you know, and he's you a lawyer. Get, yeah, like you don't that. get a law degree from community college, and and, yeah. and so he's like this very incredibly weak premise that just completely falls apart if you look at it too close. But I don't care because it's just a hilarious show with some of the best one-liners I've ever heard. Every week I watch this show, and there's always one line that just totally kills me. In last <laughs> night's show, the perky sweet girl was trying to get Joel McHale to do something for her, and he said, those doe eyes disappointing you would be like strangling the little mermaid with a bicycle chain. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's just this really, they're so fun. And another one of my favorites is, girls are supposed to dance. That's why God gave them the parts that jiggle. <laughs> <laughs> So, 
seriously, I got to tell you, you all need to watch the show because nobody watches it. So every week I'm like, oh, my God, I love this show. And nobody watches it. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. Everybody I've needs to never heard of it. Show. I know. Nobody's uh, heard although of it. Although I must say I've been sort of in a hole for the past yeah. two months. But yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But um, but it's it's a hilarious show. I absolutely love it. And I want people to talk about it with. So whiffers, go start watching Community. It's really, really good. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Well, I want to talk about turning 49 next week. Oh, my God. Happy birthday. I know. I know. It's coming up. Jeez. Every year. Jeez. Uh-huh. Just about the same time. I am constantly reminded that I'm getting older. Mm-hmm. So, like, take today, for instance. Yes. I had to get a cortisone shot in my hip because I have really, really bad bursitis yeah. in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I had to get a tetanus slash whooping cough vaccine because I'm so old that the whooping cough shot they gave me when I was a kid is no longer valid working or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah my daughter got accepted to a college congratulations yes Yes. and we'll be gone next year and Mm -hmm. it next fall and it's the college she wanted so that's great my son is is shaving oh my god this close to getting his driving permit he is not he's 12 no he's almost 16 (laughs) no he's 12 no he's 12 Okay, I bent down at Kohl's today to look at watches, and I yeah. almost couldn't get back up. Oh, God. <laughs> you did have a bad day. And that was just one day. Oh, my God. <laughs> but then I started thinking about it, like all this stuff that was going mm-hmm. on, and I mm-hmm. realized that I would never want to be 25 again. Right. Mm-hmm. Unless I could take all the wisdom that I've gathered with me. And then right. I'd do it in a heartbeat, you know. <laughs> right, <I'm> kidding. <laughs> the truth is, I I like who I am. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've worked hard to understand myself and the people and world around me. Mm-hmm. I've earned wisdom the hard way, right. but mostly I think I'm a good person, mm-hmm. unless I'm driving down Erie Boulevard. <laughs> but <laughs> well, aside from that, that standard. <laughs> Aside from that, I'm I'm happy to be 49 or 50 or 60 or whatever yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. And I just hope that other women out there feel the same way. Oh, yeah. I mean, I did a blog post, actually, on my Aunt Fran, who um, I recently got back in touch with. And she's like, you know, 70. She's coming up on 70, I think. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, buried a husband a couple of years ago. And she is just, like, she lives in an RV. She has completely simplified her life. She goes wherever she wants. She visits her grandkids. She's going to Antarctica. I was like, hey, why oh, don't you cool. come visit me? She's like, yeah, sure. I'll fit you in my schedule after I go to An- Antarctica. The woman is going <laughs> to Antarctica. And, you know, and the next thing you know, she'll be in Africa. She'll be in, you know, because she's just living life. And the thing is, is yeah. that, you know, when I was talking about Aunt Fran, I said, um, you know, life has two settings. And either it's off or it's it's on and if it's on it's on you know live it yeah. have fun do yeah. your thing so um so uh, definitely happy birthday to you you're gonna make 49 look wonderful and um <laughs> yay we get to i'll be limping you. through it but it'll all look good Maybe, yeah but you look good you look good <laughs> all right also i want to remind everybody that i'm continuing to blog every day until i turn 40 which is, <laughs> I think today squirrel. was like 453 you, or something you like that. You spring chicken, you. I know. <laughs> 
but I have, I have 450 some odd days left uh, left to go in this uh, this experiment and um, blogging every single day over at LucyMarch.com. We've actually um, developed this really um, fabulous community over there. We've called or we've named ourselves the Bettys, um, <laughs> which is a long story and I won't bother you with it here. But um, anyway, I'm putting up excerpts of the new book, A Little Night Magic, which is going to be mm-hmm. released from St. Martin's um, sometime in the future. I don't really know when. <laughs> Eventually, they paid me for it, so I assume that they're going to um, actually put it on the shelves but you know you never want to count on anything in publishing um so i'm going through this like you know incredibly huge push to get that done you know right now so i'm putting up snippets and excerpts of the book as i go and um you know but but a quick warning before people head over i mean we talk about a lot of tough subjects i'm being extremely honest you know about Mm -hmm. my my life and my divorce and my weight and my like everything so it's it's very you know middle-aged woman kind of stuff so if that's not your speed that's totally cool but if you think you like a little introspection you know along with some crude language because you know me i have no class at all um <laughs> the, the bettys are, are totally fine i'm the one up there i'm like friggin', friggin', blah, blah, blah. you know I'm, I'm horrible i'm horrible but i'm learning to accept myself for what yes. i am and what i am exactly. is i am one crude sob and that's just who i am <laughs> and you know what that's fine if you can't handle the f word you just want to hang out with me that's all i'm saying so anyway if that's well, if that's the kind of thing you can get behind i would love to see whiffers over there we've got a fabulous community we're doing a lot of really really good work it's like mm-hmm. therapy it really is yeah. <laughs> which actually would not be appealing to a lot of people and i can see why <laughs> but anyway that's where i am lucymarch.com well and every kinda, single flipping day mm-hmm. it kind of fits into to tonight's theme too it does it does absolutely which is you just gotta you gotta be yourself so you do you do mm-hmm. all right well we need to take a small break so sit back pop a cork and we'll be right back Woohoo! It's 2010. It's a new decade and a new start. So my resolutions for the 2010s or 20-teens or whatever the hell we're supposed to call them are as follows. Number one, no drinking and driving. And that goes for the 2020s and the 2030s and the 2040s and then I'll be dead. Number two, no drinking too much in one sitting or at one bar or on one night except for podcast nights, of course. Number three, no drinking bad wine. Life is short, and chances are good we're not going to make it past 2012 anyway. So spend a couple extra bucks and support the local economy. Number four, lose 20 pounds. What, you think it's all about the wine? Here's to 2010. Welcome back, I'm Lucy March. And I'm C.J. Barry, and this is we'll write for wine. <laughs> Sorry, I was drinking my wine like Until I didn't know I had a line coming drink. up. Like we don't have a script right in front of us that says, "You know what? You're gonna have to speak in a second. But I just could not stop myself. That's how much I'm really liking this wine. Um, it's very, very good. If you move your rating up to four point five, it'll be really freaky. I will. All it's right. four point five now. I'm changing oh, it. There we go. It's there good. we go. It's, it's like good. it's like we're in parallel universes here. It is. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> Okay, so it's the B block, which mm-hmm. means we need to talk a lot about writing. Right, <laughs> because everyone <laughs> voted, and this month they wanted a writing discussion. So you know what? <laughs> we give them a writing discussion. 
Can you blame them? Let me see. The disastrous movie night. And oh, no, the, actually, although, movie, nights, movie nights go really well. It's the improv that has just slid into disaster. Like, <laughs> our improvs early on, like, the first few improvs we did were really rocking. And I think we got, like, I overconfident. the last so, one. They're uh-huh. Santa by Margarita. That's a classic. <laughs> it's destined to be a classic, I'm destined telling you. Destined to be a classic. <laughs> it was almost as bad as the Ferret Hotel. But, you know, I mean... <laughs> But, you know, I mean, sometimes the writing improv, I mean, sometimes we do it and it takes off and it's so cool. And you think, oh, my God, I want to write this book. Ah!" And then other times we have these books and it's just like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) So writing improv is really, you know, I mean, that's a gamble. It's a crapshoot. I think think the movie nights are good. The one thing I really like about movie nights, and we should do another movie night soon where we analyze structure. Because I actually Mm -hmm. was having my students analyze structure um, Mm -hmm. using movies over at Story Wonk where I teach the revision class. Yeah, let's do Serenity. um, yeah, and they, they went in and they um, started analyzing movies on their own, you know, and they would mm-hmm. go through and they would pick out, like, there's seven anchor scenes, basically, that I that I pick out for structure. And mm-hmm. um, and we talk about that a lot. And by going through and figuring out their own anchor scenes, they were really grabbing hold of structure and understanding it in a really great way. So I think it would be a lot of fun to do, you know, a movie night where we um, – you know where we talk about the structure, and I could talk about anchor yeah. scenes and kind of well, fill that. We could in actually uh, work, you know, go through the seven anchor scenes in a movie. I would love to do right. Serenity. I think that's was a really good movie. I have not um, seen Serenity since the movie theater. You know, because they 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 spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler yes, alert. You're gonna want to yes. skip ahead right now because they killed mm-hmm. Wash, and so I just yeah. I couldn't I couldn't I haven't been able to watch it since, but I I, I, I might be able to watch Serenity yeah. again. Yeah. But I don't know. Just Serenity though, part. I think had a yeah. lot of real problems when it came to structure I think that was Serenity's problem is that it wasn't you know Mal had no goal there was a lot of stuff like that that just mm-hmm. but anyway well we can talk he about had an anti-goal in the it, it's it, it's a tough anytime you know your character has an anti-goal that's it's it's a little tougher you but I thought that's, that's why you need a goal I mean I think that's why it, it doesn't work yeah. your, your, your protagonist needs to have a goal and Mal's always kind of just his goal is just to sit there and be darling. Which, when you're Nathan Fillion, no, you can do. no, I, I mean, don't I will think so. watch well, two yeah, hours of Nathan but Fillion. I have to watch it again before I can make a real good argument about it. But no, yeah, no, no. His goal, his goal, basically is just to survive. Mm-hmm. But I think also that I'm not sure it that's is... strong enough. Huh? I'm not sure just survival is a strong enough goal. No, I mean, no, no. I mean, but his goal in surviving, what he does, yeah, is directly against the people that. That he lost to. Yeah, I need to. I need it really to watch is. it again. I yeah, need to watch need to it watch again. It again. I need to really analyze because it because, they were stealing yeah. stuff from them, and you know all that stuff. Anyway, anyway, we'll talk about we that do some have other a point. <laughs> we were getting to it really eventually. So we were going to talk about the writer's gut. Writer's, writer's, writer's guts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. I just want a T-shirt. I'm a writer. I have guts. You know, or right. something like that. Just you know, something. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Well, this all started. Lottie sent me an email, and I said, uh-huh. um, and actually put what I put in. I'm, I I actually put this in the script so I could right mm-hmm. because there's no way in hell I'd ever remember it on my own. So <laughs> I said, uh, I want to do a show not just about the writing rules, mm-hmm. but the gut instincts of writing, listening mm-hmm. to your intuition, listening to your muse, your characters, etc. It's hard to make that leap of faith, even for those of us after all these books right and Mm -hmm. i think it would be cool to let other writers know that it's okay to be afraid Mm -hmm. um, but you have to go for it because there is no great reward reward Mm -hmm. 
reward, reward. <laughs> without <day>. great <laughs> without great risk. <laughs> I plan on it. I've had a hell of a two months. You so. have, and your day just today has been tough. So drink <laughs> up, sunshine. Have fun. And I didn't even I didn't even mention that he told me I gained weight. I mean. Hey. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. Let's not talk That's about the doctor. That's enough to kill him right there. Yeah. I okay. know. I would kill him too. But anyway, all right. So back to the writer's intuition. Here's uh-huh. the thing. And here's where writer's intuition um, serves you really well. And there's also a place where it can um, it can become a problem. Um, mm. Because what you need to do is you need to really – your your intuition is basically, you know, like the girls in the basement. It's that, that stuff that kind of comes up that you have no idea where it comes from, but you just know it needs to be in the book. You know it has to be part of it. Um, you know, and you just like – like there are times where you just know that there's something wrong with the book, but you can't put your finger on what it is, you know, which is yes. really, really a tough thing to deal with. But yes. if you follow that, then your book is going to end up being better. But sometimes what can happen is that, um, you know, your, your ego can kind of find a little part of that writer's intuition and hide in there. There are sometimes things that you don't want to change because it's too much work or because you really wanted to make it work or whatever. And you just, you know, and it makes you feel like you're, you know, like somehow you screwed up or whatever and your ego kind of gets involved there. So you really need to be able to, first of all, the first thing you need to be able to do is kind of separate what's ego from what's writer's intuition. And Mm -hmm. that can be, it can be kind of difficult because they, they sort of, feel the same at first like that moment where you go no you know um when you're getting um oh pardon me my iphone is going off because i have this little alarm that goes off at night um so i'm just gonna let (laughs) me what is it time for is it time for the podcast (laughs) no no actually the alarm is for um sweetness's uh medication that's all right oh okay i'll give it to her a little later um all right but anyway (laughs) (laughs) we'll just ignore it (laughs) right we'll just ignore it it's just it's just her asthma medication i mean it's not like she can't breathe yeah i mean is it can you wait or do you want to no 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 no, it's fine it's okay 20 minutes until we're done with the section it'll be fine you think 20 minutes will do it okay yeah no no yeah probably another 20 minutes or so but we're blabbering on about about intuition but um but you know i mean there's there's times where you just know that something has to be a certain way even though you can't really justify it intellectually you know and if you Mm -hmm. if you pay attention to um you know to really trying to make that work um then you can work with that but you got to be sure that it's not just your your ego that doesn't want to work that doesn't want to rip up a scene that needs to be thrown away or you know any of those kinds of things so it's 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 kind of tough and I think it's a sort of thing that if you develop an awareness of it and you really look at your reactions when you're getting, you know, feedback or when you're looking at the book um, and uh, you kind of hone your, your sense of, you know, what's ego and what's intuition. I think Mm -hmm. it's just something that you, you build up over time, especially if you get a lot of critiques, if you start with a critique group and you go into, you know, you've got beta readers and stuff like that, you can kind of tell, you know, what's, what stuff that you just don't want to (laughs) do. You know, yeah. and and what's actual, real, true intuition? Because the intuition is always a hundred percent right, always, always, always. You may need yes. to find a way. You may need to be creative and find a way to make it work yes. so that it, it yes. works within the book. But um, but the intuition is always right. Yeah, right. I I think one of the things that I found when I'm listening to my intuition, yeah, is that it. You know, I can hear this just screaming oh you should, you know I should be doing this I should be I have to have this thing in here mm-hmm. and I'll, and sometimes I'll realize that it's not that book right mm-hmm. <laughs> it's actually another book 
that that belongs right. in. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so so you do also have to have to figure that out too. I mean, if mm-hmm. if something just, you know, just comes out of the blue and it just doesn't fit your book. Yeah. Then you really need to think about, you know, maybe it's maybe it's for another book, maybe it's for another character or something mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. that that happens sometimes too. Yeah, it definitely can. And I think there's a lot of it that comes down to um to your sense of confidence too because if if you don't have a lot of confidence in your abilities you know as a writer um, Mm -hmm. which is really really hard to have at first when you're first starting out I mean once you kind of you know had your war wounds and you've you know written a few books and you've kind of gone through the process a few times you sort of get a feel for you know how it all works but I think Mm -hmm. that there's um, you know you have to have a sense of confidence and I think the only way to build up that confidence is to just keep writing you know the the one thing that you cannot do you cannot build up your intuition you cannot get hone that that sense of um that kind of like mystical sense of how the book works um unless you're writing and you're writing a lot you know you're you're getting material um churning you know right well and sometimes um you you know it'll be as simple as you're writing along and then something pops in there Mm -hmm. as you're writing it just Mm -hmm. kind of like you just kind of go off on this like well where the hell that come from Mm -hmm. oh yeah and um and what i've discovered instead of like like uh you know nipping that in the bud yeah I will leave it in there mm-hmm. because nine times out of ten somewhere down the road I'll realize that pays off mm-hmm. yes that that was supposed to be there right so that's where your trust comes in mm-hmm. you know if you go off tangent and you know me I got my spreadsheets <laughs> I got my stuff you know I got my details I know and what I'm even writing even you go off the reservation even I again, will right? absolutely <laughs> Absolutely. And now, you know, it took me a long time to say, you know, it's okay to do that. It's okay Mm -hmm. to do that. And somehow, some way this works in, I may not Mm -hmm. see it right now, but down the road, you know, it's supposed to be there. It's going to work in. sometimes it'll be huge. And sometimes it'll be like the story, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And I mean, I think that that's like, you know, I mean, the, the way that I look at it is that you've got three phases of the writing a book, you know, is that you've got Mm -hmm. the discovery phase where you're sort of just figuring everything out. You're doing a little discovery writing that may not necessarily go in the book. You're sort of getting a feel for your story. You're staring Mm -hmm. out windows. You're making soundtracks. You're doing collages. This is a completely free area where you're living almost entirely on your intuition, you know, Um, and you're just sort of intuitively finding your way through the book and and figuring things out and doing that really very important discovery work that I think a lot of writers actually don't give themselves the time and the space to do. But I think is really important because you're not producing words. I mean, even if you're writing, you're not writing stuff that's actually going to be in the book. It's just stuff that you can, so you can understand the background for your characters and and things like that. And then you move into the writing phase. Mm-hmm. And the the writing phase, I think, is where you really need to just fly with it. You know, it's like like NaNoWriMo where you just write. You just don't worry about the quali- the <laughs> quality of it at all. You worry about quantity. You get the words down. And that's when I find, like, when I'm really, really writing at a clip and I'm not worried about where are my turning points and where's my, you know, protagonist goal and where's my, you know, all these crafty things that you need to think about. But you can, you know, it, that's where all the wonderful stuff that's that 
that's only me, you know, that, that okay. only I can write, you know, that just makes the book me. That's where all that kind of stuff happens, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you can release yourself, they, you know, they call it a don't look down draft. And we've talked about that before, mm-hmm. where you just go in and you write. You just write every day. You just go where the story takes you. You follow it. You follow your intuition and all these things. Then you get the draft done. And then that's when mm-hmm. you go in with the rules. I mean, that's where the rules come in handy is in your revision process, which is where you go back in and you look through your book and you think, okay, can this be a turning point? Can this be? And I find that these things, I mean, you know, the, the structure that I teach is based on, you know, Socrates. It's, it's been around, or not Socrates. Socrates did other things. Aristotle actually <laughs> did narrative drama. I'll just, you know, drink for that, getting my Greeks mixed up. Whoa. Mm. Awesome. Everybody drink. But anyway, um, Aristotle's, you know, um, narrative uh, structure. Um, and uh, and the thing is, is that because so many stories have been told with this kind of structure, you know, through all these years, mm-hmm. that it, it's sort of an intuitive thing. Like most people, when they write their books and they write their stories, follow this structure. They may need to um, to kind of build up you know, um, certain scenes and, and, and make sure that they, they perform that function, you know, a little bit better. But I mean, right. I really think that in the, in the revision process, that's when you look at the rules and you try to marry it to the intuition that you've already created. But if you bring the rules in too soon, they can really squash your creativity. They can squash that intuitive voice inside. Mm-hmm. And so it's uh, the thing that I find so difficult is that once you know your structure, once you know, you know, and any structure works, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be Aristotle. It doesn't have to be the three-act structure. It could be or the, even you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Socrates, whoever. Socrates, I believe, did the Socratic method for teaching. I don't know. I don't know my Greeks. You know what I'm saying? I really don't. Um, I try to sound educated, but really, I'm not. Um, but, uh, but I mean, I think that, like, it's, it's so hard to separate all these processes because discovery is completely free and open. You're just flying with the wind. You don't think about anything. You don't have to worry about rules. You know, when you're doing your writing, you want to be concerned about certain things in your craft. You know, make sure that when, mm-hmm. you, when you write something, you're writing good dialogue. You're doing good description. That, you know, you've got the scenes are moving. That everything escalating so there's certain things you want to be aware of when you're doing your don't look down draft but you really don't want to be thinking about structure you don't want to be thinking about where your acts are or where anything's Mm. happening because that tends to really kind of shut down like you have these rules that come in and that's something you can put your back up against but um but at the same time it it kind of squashes that lovely voice that's just Mm. you that makes this the book that only you can write so i mean when you do the writing i think the faster you write the more you kind of push yourself the the more you outrun that internal editor that's like you know that's not a very good turning point he doesn't have a positive goal you know Mm -hmm. and then then you can go in when you've got your revision and you can go back and you can work these things into the text you know but you'll (laughs) still have that lovely intuitive goodness you know that you had to begin with that makes this a book that only you can write so you know I mean it's 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 so tough once you already know you know your structure what it is that you're going to do to to start off and just kind of be in that lovely you know no no rules zone where that intuition can come out yeah okay we'll see uh, i'm listening to you and i'm chuckling because that's not how i work at all <laughs> no i know i know it's not how you work at all why okay. don't you tell the folks how you work because i think okay. this is really interesting because you and i I mean, if you listen to the early podcast where I'm like, pants it, who knows what the hell's going on, <laughs> you know, and I had no idea and I never paid any attention to structure at all. And you were like, oh, I got my spreadsheets. So why don't you tell the yeah. folks how you write a book? 
Okay. Mm-hmm. I write a book. That whole discovery phase for me is yeah. actually a very long phase. Oh, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I do a ton of discovery work. And my mm-hmm. discovery work tends to revolve around the research that I have to do. Right. Because I tend to write mm-hmm. books that require a lot of research. Right. Um, mm-hmm. It revolves around what kind of story do I want to write mm-hmm. as a writer? Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of story did I promise the publisher? <laughs> Sometimes, you know, not easy to deliver. You're like, yeah, I can do that. And then you get in there and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. 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 We've Um, all been there, baby. (laughs) But during that time, I am developing the characters. I'm developing the plot. I am basically writing the book, Mm -hmm. but it's all in pieces. Right. You Mm -hmm. know, I have my pieces. I know what it is that I want to write as far as what kind of story I want it to be when it's done. What do I want to say in this book? So I do all of that stuff Mm -hmm. um, in the discovery phase, um, which can last, for me, it can last a really long time Mm -hmm. because I will will battle through multiple plot ideas. Oh, you do. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I really suffer during that. That's when Mm -hmm. I suffer during that Mm -hmm. phase is is, is that. And that's when I start doing the spreadsheets. I I force myself to work on my characters and do their profiles. Mm -hmm. I'll look up the photos of the people I'm really doing just all the groundwork that I need to do because Mm -hmm. I can't start writing unless I know what I want to say exactly so Mm -hmm. for me I have to have a huge bulk of the story Mm -hmm. like in my head that doesn't mean that when I sit down and start writing which is my phase two Right. Mm -hmm. That I won't change my mind. I mean, I've done that a lot. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So what I do at that point, though, is is I've got a structure that I will write to. I know what Mm -hmm. my, I know where I need to go. Let's put it that way. I might not understand exactly what every scene is supposed to do. I might not see all the scenes that I'm writing, Mm -hmm. but I certainly know in what direction I'm going. That's when, that's when my instincts come in Mm -hmm. and very very rarely do I ever think about the rules at that point. I mean, no, I, you I just You write. don't work with structure at all, consciously. I know. It's you funny. You are it's, completely... This is what I find so funny, is that yeah. you are a completely intuitive writer. That Absolutely. you go in and your story falls into these patterns. And I swear to yep. God, if you go back to any one of your books and you analyze <laughs> it for structure, it's all there. You've got it your is. turning points. You've got your goals. You've got all this kind of stuff. You're fabulous with positive goals, too. Oh, my God. You know, you've got all that stuff yeah. really, really working for you. But the thing is, you don't even need to think about it. You're just a completely intuitive writer. Now, me, I've always been a really intuitive writer until the last mm-hmm. couple of books. And then it was at that point where, even though I had all that intuition, when I go back to my books that I wrote when I knew nothing, you know, books that mm-hmm. I I'm just like, la di da I'm just, I don't know, writing a book, they paid me. Mm-hmm. You know, this kind of thing. Um, you know, I look They're back great. at those. I look back at those. Well, I, I, I like them, you know, but I mean, I look yeah. back at those books, but they have that structure too. They have it. It's an intuitive thing. Yeah. So when my students come to me and I'm like, yeah, we got to do all this stuff, but don't worry, it's already in there. I mean, it's really already in there. It's just that, yeah. Now, for me, in the revision process, if I know what functions certain scenes are supposed to 
are supposed to do, then when I mm-hmm. go back and revise, I can strengthen them and make them even stronger than they yes. would have been had I not known. Now, exactly. you, you know, and Chrissy's like this too. You and Chrissy are, are actually, it's very funny because you guys both write intuitively the same way. Like Chrissy yeah. doesn't even want to look at any of this stuff. Like when she works with me and Jenny, she wants to just throw herself off. <laughs> oh, off I can't. Yeah. 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 Because, because it's all this stuff and she's just like, you know, I don't want to think about it because that's not how her process works. Yes. You know, that so that she's afraid it's going to shut down. Yeah. That it's yes. going to shut down that process. Exactly. And for me, you know, exactly. I, it, it at the beginning, I was really worried that it would, and so I didn't deal with any of this for a really long mm-hmm. time. And then I found that once I really started looking at structure, um, it actually made the work easier for me because I knew, mm. like, it, before I would, like, intuitively sort of know, and I would have to sit there and think for days and wait for my intuition to come and tell me these answers. And now, because I'm like, oh, well, that's got to be a turning point. That's got to be, you know, the second turning point, the point of no return. So I know what this scene needs to do now. So so now that I know what the scene needs to do, I can go in and I can make that happen. And it actually speeds my, my process along. But the, you know, it's, it's just, it's really, really funny. You know, and Jenny, Jenny Cruzy, who like everybody adores, wonderful. You know, she mm-hmm. honestly is not an intuitive writer at all. Like she's, you know, her first couple of books, she's like, I didn't know what I was doing, <laughs> you know, and, um, and she didn't have that intuition. So she learned all about structure. And so when she is in her discovery and her writing phase and everything, she's always got it. You know, she's always got yeah. that roadmap to write to because intuitively like if she's left her own devices she'll just wander around like a cow on the path you know and um i mean seriously she just does and that's but she's i mean she's brilliant you know she's brilliant Mm -hmm. she's still got all those things that make that make jenny jenny that make it a book that only she could write but she really needs to have that roadmap you know to Mm -hmm. go on whereas you and i kind of find our way so i'm sort of like in between because i was an intuitive writer that was how i wrote it first and now i'm looking at it i'm thinking okay how am i gonna up my game you know how am i gonna make my books even better how am i gonna do that um and by by doing this you know and learning all this structure i find that it makes it easier for me to i mean the whole point of structure is to make your books more accessible to more readers you know there's some readers who are going to get your wandering around the path you know or whatever you know and there's a certain number of readers who are going to get that and be totally cool with it but the thing is that if you've got a structure if you've got something in there that holds this book up people are going to be able to see oh there's a map here and they can feel that this is something they're going to be able to depend on they're going to be able to hang on into this book and and you know and see it all the way through so right so for me I mean that's what that's about for me is is making my books more accessible making them um you know stronger storytelling um Mm -hmm. but see you I mean your books you know if if it ain't broke don't fix it you know I mean I I think like I read your books and I think your books are fine Mm -hmm. there's a there's a cadence to a to a book Mm -hmm. there's a rhythm to a book yeah Mm -hmm. I know when I'm writing if something is not Right. If something right. Is, needs to be fixed, um, somebody has to die. You know, somebody things like that. Just <laughs> kill somebody. If something's broke, just kill somebody. You know, things get the too CJ slow. Barry rules we're spending of too much. Yeah, we're we're right. exactly. <laughs> we're spending spending too much time talking right. or in mm-hmm. one place or things are not moving along like they should be then I know I have to go back and I have to fix something well you've got a really strong instinct for that and I think that there's you know there's a lot to be said I mean you know I think a lot of the writers out there are instinctual writers and there's nothing wrong Mm -hmm. with that I mean if it works I mean let's just talk about you know Chrissy and Stewart you know 100 Mm -hmm. books 35 years in the business I don't think her instinctual writing is hurting her at all you know but um (laughs) but for me I think what it allows me to do by combining 
the rules with the intuition is um, that it, it really allows me to up my game. Like, I don't think that I would be able to write a better book every time if I didn't have more knowledge to work with, you know, if I yeah. didn't have more stuff to work with. Like, I think that my books were really, really good. I love all my books. I think they're fabulous books. I mean, honestly, I'm an awesome writer. Everybody's a great writer. <laughs> yes, I want are. all of you at home to say yes, I'm a great are. writer because those of you who are not familiar with me, whatever, I make everybody say it, say it. Um, <laughs> don't argue with me. Just say it out loud right now, wherever you are. I'm a great writer. But anyway, so me, I'm a great writer. I'm a fabulous writer. I really am. I'm very, very good. But I don't think, I think that I would have written more of the same kinds of books. I'm not sure I would have been able to break out of the kinds of books that I was writing. I was mm. very good at a particular kind of book, you know. Yeah. And now I'm writing something different. I'm doing things that are um, more structured, that I have a, a bigger idea of, like, the bigger picture. And for mm -hmm. me, you know, I'm at a point where I just need a a roadmap in order to pull that off um, right. you know and I think that your books in general um, you know especially for beginning writers um, you know and this is what I, I tell my students in the revision class is that mm -hmm. if you are able to apply this structure to your book you know, you're going to make it more accessible to the agents, to the editors, to the readers that eventually are going to are going to get a hold of it. And by making that book more accessible, you know, you can really um, you can just widen your your reader base, widen the, mm -hmm. the number of people who are actually going to really get into that book. So um, so for me, I think it's it's you know, it's a really important part of the process. That's how I teach it. But, you know, I mean, there's a lot to be said for that, that intuition and that intuition actually gets you you know, a, a fair amount along the way. I mean, all well, my students, you know, we went through and we looked at their books, the, the ones mm -hmm. who, you know, were brave enough to share their, their seven anchor points once they got them figured out, you know, on the, on mm -hmm. the boards. And we went through them. And the thing is, all that stuff was already in there. You know, they already had the yeah. cadence. They already had it. They exactly. just kind of needed to figure out how to make it stronger, how to make it work better. Yes. So, you know, yes. but, but I mean, if you're, you know, if you're publishing and you're doing great, you know, I mean, your books are fabulous. I, I there's nothing wrong you. with your structure. And I think if we went back in, we would see, that you have all of these anchor points really well mapped out. It's just yeah. instinctive for you. You it just know story structure. Which, mm -hmm. which is funny because plotting mm -hmm. is not the same as structure. No. I think, I think mm -hmm. plotting is different. I mm -hmm. like to plot. Right. But I don't like to structure mm -hmm. my books too much ahead of time. I know, I know the basic stuff, like the beginning and the climax and the end. What happens in the middle? But you don't really think about, you don't think about like turning points. You don't think about act Nothing. one, act two, act three. Uh -uh. You don't think about midpoints or anything like that. Like you don't, Nothing. that stuff, but, but it's all in your books. You know, I could yeah, go through all just, of your books and map it out and it'd be right there right. clear and as And I day. think mm -hmm. right there, the way that I do it, the way that mm -hmm. you do it, that's your intuition. That's how mm -hmm. you work. That's your right. gut mm -hmm. telling you, we need to do this. Mm -hmm. And and you have to be willing to take that leap. I mean, you right. took that leap, um, you know, when you decided to change mm -hmm. the way that you write books. That's right. a mm -hmm. huge leap of faith. I mean, mm -hmm. you had books that are great books, mm -hmm. and and but you still you know, made that leap of faith to say, you know, if I do it this way, I think I can write better books. Right. You have to be willing to do that. Mm -hmm. Those are the moments that are going to make you a great writer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you've yeah. always got to be willing to learn more. And I think that that's where, mm -hmm. you know, you have to have enough faith in yourself as a writer and in your intuition that you're going to be able to learn these new things and apply them, you know, and use yes. them. And I mean, the thing is that different books, you know, you could have a book that, that, 
goes by any structure. You can have a book that's, you know, 12 parts, one for every month of the year. And if your book, you know, works along that way, you know, chronologically, if that's how that book works, that'll mm-hmm. work for you. That's a structure that can work for you. Um, yes. You know, I think the three-act structure with the escalation is something that's built for drama. You know, if you use yeah. a different structure, that'll work for you. That'll hold your book together. But at the same time, you're really going to need to build the drama in there. You're going to need to build the escalation. You're going to need to do all that stuff. I mean, I think like a training wheels, you know, structure is your basic three-act structure. I mean, that's a great way to get started. And most stories are going to fall right into that very, very easily. Yeah. But, you know, Uh, at the same time, you've got to have that room for... Um, honoring your intuition and honoring right. your gut, your gut feeling on it, you know, and and yes. you can't rely too much, um, you know, or too um, dogmatically on these these rules, you know, because that can yes. completely throw off your your well, game. Well, and not only that, you know, if you do follow the rules too tightly, if you mm-hmm. don't listen to your intuition, if you just stay, you know, you're going to write an average book. You're going to write a flat book is what I really think because, uh, you know, again, we get back to that wonderful stuff that makes a book something only you could write. There's structure that, like, holds it up and everything, but it's what you hang on that structure. I mean, structure is a Mm -hmm. skeleton. It's what you put on that skeleton. It's how you put, you know, how you – the dress that you put on the form. Structure is the dress form, but, you know, you are the dress, you know, and nobody looks at the form. It just holds the dress up, you know, so you have to remember that – that that's an extremely valuable. Um, sorry mm-hmm. if you're hearing all that in the background. That's a really really big anything. electrical storm we're having here. Are you don't hear the thunder oh. <laughs> in the background. If you right. zap out on me, I'm going to like freak out. I'm okay? fine. No it's zapping not out kill on me. me. Oh, trust oh, me. God. If God was going to take me out, he would have done it long before this. I would do worse <laughs> things than this my whole life. Um, but anyway, you know, um, back to the point is that is that you have to remember that it, all the wonderful things, all the little quirks of dialogue and the way that you see the world, I mean, those mm-hmm. are all the things that your intuition is going to give you. And that yes. gives you things that structure cannot. Structure gives it's, you, you know, the basic form, right. you know, to put it on. But it, like I intuition. said, nobody's looking at the form. They're looking at the dress. And you In- are the dress. And your intuition right. is the dress. So you need to make sure that you, you honor that intuition as well. And and try to make them play well together. Like, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of kids. Like, my kids been fighting all the time. I don't know how to make them play well together. But I'll tell you <laughs> something. My structure and my intuition, I know how to beat those guys into submission. So, <laughs> Well, and I think your intuition is a big part of your voice. That mm-hmm. nebulous that Absolutely. nebulous term called voice that mm-hmm. you really can't describe. Right. But a lot of that is your intuition saying, say this. Exactly. Express it this way. Show it to me this way. You know, and and those are the things that make this book. That's your fingerprint on this book. Yes. That makes it something that nobody else could have possibly written. And if you follow the rules too closely, too dogmatically, um, then you can find yourself writing books that yeah, yeah that have no voice, and nobody wants to read a book with no voice. You know? know, so you've really got so, to, I mean, like everything else in writing, it's hard. You've got to find the balance, you and know, it's, risky. And it's, it's tough to do. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, it's risky. It's a huge mm-hmm. risk. It is. I mean, you're doing things that nobody, either nobody else is doing mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe they are, you just don't know about it. But, but if you don't take that great risk, you're not going to get that great reward at the end. Right. You're, you you're know. not going to be memorable. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and and at the end, that book is not going to be. And this is the problem that happens when people um, when they get feedback, you know, from yeah. critiques or from betas, oh, and they God. try to incorporate all the suggestions. 
you know, and they to- their voice totally gets and like, the voice watered down. gets it, it does it gets yeah. trampled, and you know, Terrible. and and that's a real real problem because first of all, your book is never going to be perfect for every reader who reads it. There's always going to be readers oh, who are going to say, well, you could do this and you could do that. The problem is that just because somebody gives you a suggestion, you know, about what you should do, doesn't Even mean if that you should they're do published. That. <laughs> even if they're published, even if you think yes. for some reason they know more than you, which they don't about yeah. your book. Nobody knows more than no. you about your book. Um, no. The thing is, is that what they can do with that suggestion is they might they might say, you know, here's a problem. And they're telling you what the problem is. They're giving you a suggestion on how to fix it. So, you know, if you dial that back a little bit and you say, okay, I don't want to use the suggestion because that's not right for my book. But I understand mm-hmm. that this is a problem that I have. Like, you know, the motivation isn't yes. clear or whatever. And you mm-hmm. fix that in your own way. So you can fix their, yes. their problem without using their suggestion. So, I mean, if you have a genuine problem, you need to take that seriously, but you can't do it the way that they would do it. I mean, I give people suggestions all the time that I think would make marvelous books. I look at it and I say, (laughs) oh my God, this is genius. You do it exactly the way that I laid out because it's so good, but it's the way that I would do it. It's the way that I would fix those problems. And they need to find the way that they would fix those problems. Right. And you're going to run into that, whether Mm -hmm. it's a critique partner or an editor, because right. an editor mm-hmm. is also going to tell you there's a problem with this scene. You know, maybe yeah, but you can good editors, good editors will tell you what the problem is. They won't tell you how to fix it. I mean, if you yeah. ask them, you They'll know, sometimes if you ask them, maybe, they can make but... suggestions. But the really good yeah. ones say, okay, here's where your problem is. Here's where your problem is. But they don't tell you how to fix it unless you ask yeah. them. You know, yes. Um, yes. so good editors are very good about that. I've had, I've had, yep. oh my god, fabulous editors. I, yes. I can't even believe how lucky I've been I in this adore business. Adore my mm-hmm. editor, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> I know your editor is good. Yeah, your editor is very, very good. So, um, well, I guess that's that's pretty good. Do you have anything else that yeah. you wanted to add, or are we just no? Got I done think here we just about beat this to death. I think oh. you're good. <laughs> we did all right. So that sums it up. We're gonna go refill our glasses, and we'll be right back. Ooh. Yay! Hi, I'm Lucy, also known as Lonnie Diane Rich, and this is your Story Walk Writing Tip of the Month. Discovery is my favorite time in the writing process. It's the most free, the most fun. You sit and stare out windows, you make soundtracks, you make collages, you watch TV, movies, you read books, and it's work. You ponder the infinite possibilities of your story, and eventually, you know, you'll pick one, but for right now, you don't have to. The world is your creative oyster. The most challenging part about discovery is giving yourself permission to indulge this pivotal phase in the writing process. It's hard to let the kids throw a pizza in the oven when you could cook them a real dinner just so that you can sit and ponder. And when your spouse or your best friend wants your attention and you have to choose between pleasing them and getting that collage done, well, it's a tough call to make. But it's important that you make it. Just because you're not putting words down on paper doesn't mean you're not working. You are. You need to explain to yourself first, and then to your loved ones, that by giving yourself a full and complete discovery phase, your book is going to be stronger, the writing is going to be easier, and likely faster, and you won't be doing this half-assed, which will make their sacrifice worth it. As long as no one's bleeding or on fire, they can wait. But if they are bleeding or on fire, you have my permission to deal with that first. But as soon as things calm down, get back to that collage. You'll be glad you did. If you like this tip, there's more where that came from. Over at storywonk.com, I teach online writing classes in both discovery and revision. I've got a new session starting in June, and registration is now open for both classes. I also have a Storywonk podcast, free to the general public, with more detailed writing tips and advice. See you there. Thanks for coming back. I'm CJ Berry. And I'm Lucy March. (laughs) And this is Will Write for Wine. (laughs) 
Again. The C block is becoming the old D block. It's oh, just one yeah. of those things that's never meant to happen. Yeah. yeah. It's always going to be a mess. So okay. anyway. All right. So we're going to answer questions from the Whiffers. Right. Every month we ask you guys for your questions, and now we're going to try to answer them. We don't make any promises as to whether the answers <laughs> will be, I don't know, lucid, but, you know, we'll do what we can. <laughs> Okay, so first we're going to answer some questions from the forums. Mm -hmm. The first question is from Bonnie, and she writes. It's actually several questions, but uh, I'm going to read them all. Okay. So how do you keep all the little voices in your head straight and under control? You're working on one story, thinking about another, and then there's this obnoxious character from their story jumping up and down in the spaces in between shouting, pick me, pick me. How do you keep them separated and focus enough on one thing to get anything done? And if you tell them to shut up, do they whine and holler and disappear altogether or go with the flow? Do you lose them or do they actually simmer in the background? <laughs> you know, it's it's funny because that actually is all kind of one question. It's, it, <laughs> it's it really is. Related. Yeah, yeah. I only have one answer, so yeah. I have only one answer, too. <laughs> Bonnie, I love you. All right, so here's how I feel about this. Basically, mm -hmm. I pick one, whichever one I want to work on the most, and I set the others aside for the moment. If there's a character or a scene that just won't shut the hell up, I mm -hmm. scribble it down, I put the file off to the side somewhere, and then I don't worry about it. I mean, I figure if I'm meant to write that story, I'll come back to it. And if not, then it wasn't meant to be me. And that fish goes back in the psychic waters to be caught by a writer who's a better match for the story. So... Oh, good. Well, first off, I, why do I get the longest freaking question of the year? <laughs> I just realized that. I'm going to read I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, I just, um, if they bug me too much, I just shoot them. But... <laughs> Right, because if something's going wrong, C.J. Barry, her answer is just kill it. You know, I realized today, I was sitting in, in the doctor's office, and I'm like, I haven't had a hot flash in like two weeks, and now, right oh. now, I'm like sweating oh, no. like crazy. Well, that's because of the I, wine. Yeah, yeah, well, and I'm starting to realize that menopause might just be the reason why I, why I kill off so many characters. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me while I take off my pants. <laughs> Shoot someone. All right. Uh, seriously, I, I write down whatever is in my head that's clamoring for attention, and then I file it away. Literally. Ha. ha. Get it? Literally. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've actually done this and then gone back and used those blurbs to launch a new book. So it does happen, but you do have mm -hmm. to really kind of stay focused. You can't let your – because you can have, like, a lot of thoughts in your head going on at once. So you have to really kind of – it's like herding cats a little bit, but you do have to do it. <laughs> You kind of have to pick one. It's sort of like driving. You have to pick yeah. a lane and stay in that lane. Exactly. For at least a while, so. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So we've got another question, this time from Lily C., who has three questions. Here's the first one. Firstly, on structure, do all your bits have to be of equal size? And when she, when she said that, she's like British. So, I mean, yeah. when, the first thing I thought of was naughty bits, you know? <laughs> Because that's where my brain goes. Because, again, let's revisit before where I said I have absolutely no class whatsoever. So that's what I thought. But I think that she means, like, acts, like, segments of the – based on the rest of the question, the way she phrased it, I think that she's talking about, like, the acts, you know, the different okay. segments well, you of know, the story. So uh, I don't do acts. Yeah, you don't do acts. So I'm thinking I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it in terms of scenes. 
okay, maybe. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, my answer would be no, they don't. Um, they just have to be what they need to be at that moment in the story. Right. Don't worry mm-hmm. about equal time between your characters or or scene lengths or page lengths mm-hmm. or chapter lengths or any of that. Or act lengths. Yeah, the yeah, same none thing of that. If, if you mm-hmm. give the story enough conflict and enough challenges, then the time will even itself out it'll it'll end up where it's supposed to so yeah so that's, that's you know really don't true. worry about that stuff too much yeah yeah definitely don't worry about that too much and also with acts like there's a certain way that acts break down depending like if you're using you know the three act structure the first mm-hmm. act is usually like 30 to 35 percent of your total words and right then the second act is usually like 30 percent of your total words but it's all real like it's you know really fluid like there's a lot of leeway within those sort of you know real real fluid guidelines Mm -hmm. so um whatever it is you know don't sweat it tell your story the way that it needs to be told don't worry about how long it is don't worry about matching everything up don't worry about anything just tell your story and then everything else will be fine yep i agree yeah all right. Mm-hmm. Lily's second question is, secondly, mm-hmm. can you give your hero and heroine the same flaws? And, you know, I think if it works, you know, why not? I mean, sometimes it's fun to have two similar personalities butt heads. And, you know, that also shows how right they are for each other. If they're, like, exactly like. I mean, it can be repetitive. So I think you want to be careful about not having them repeat the same exact challenges that maybe you mm-hmm. find a new twist on the challenges. But if you've got, like, two characters who are, you know, excessively stubborn, you can have them be stubborn in, like, slightly varied ways so that it's a little yeah. more interesting. But, I mean, I, think they, I don't see any reason why you can't do that. So, okay, yeah. well, I totally yeah. screwed up the script at this, this point, so I'm going to um, go ahead and answer this question as well, and then we'll get to the okay. third question, which I okay. don't have an answer to. Okay. That's okay. I think, mm-hmm. I think it's okay as long as you give them opposite waves of dealing with those flaws. Mm-hmm. If the characters are exactly the same, then they won't learn from each other. But mm-hmm. if they have the same flaw, let's say fear of betrayal, then one of them could deal with that by retreating into a safe zone, basically Mm -hmm. retreating into themselves, making their world very small. And the other could handle it by trying to control everything. Uh Both of them are handling the flaw, but neither one of them is doing it in a healthy way. Um, In this scenario, they can point, you know, point out each other's failures Mm -hmm. and then work towards something that is more healthy and normal, you know, for both of them. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes, so I absolutely. Think, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, it's a, I think that's a really great question. I think um, that's a good question. Yeah. All right, well, I'll go up and ask this one, and then we'll, okay. um, we'll just answer it. Okay. <laughs> Lily's third question was, sorry, that's my fault. I did the script, and I screwed no, that. No, no, um, I did. Where, yeah. <laughs> where, no, it was my fault. No, okay. <laughs> see, you've got two hosts who both have the same controlling personality. Let's see how they handle it. All right. Thirdly, where do you stand on giving your heroine strong, positive attributes? I want mine to be smart and strong and independent, but I don't want readers to hate her. How do you make your heroine sympathetic whilst actually being good at some things? I think that, okay, here's the problem with sympathetic um, heroines is that you, you, you either have to make them, like, so people feel like they have to make them so perfect that like little woodland creatures come and braid their hair and make them balls for the gown and this kind of thing. <laughs> and um, the bottom line here is that you can um, you can give her 
good, strong qualities. She can be independent. She can be strong. She can be smart. Those are all really, really good things. Um, but you want to make sure that this is a character who is vulnerable because it's not really so much about her being likable, mm-hmm. but it's about her being a compelling character and being somebody that people can identify with. And you cannot identify with somebody who has absolutely everything in their life under control because that's not an interesting person. What you want to do is you want to be able to watch a character go from um, a place of weakness in at least one area of their life to a place of strength. You want to see them arc through that process and that that's why this story is being told. That's why you're taking this particular chunk of that character's life and telling that story with it. And this again applies to your protagonist. The protagonist is the one that really, really needs to have some complications. It needs to have some um, some things that make her compelling, make her vulnerable. Um, mm-hmm. And it can be weaknesses, you know. So just because yeah. she's strong and smart and independent doesn't mean that you can't give her other weaknesses or other things in her personality that she needs to work on. You need to kind of balance that. And again, and you know, and that applies for people too. Like my tendency is to write characters who are extremely abrasive. Um, not at all like me, you know, um, you know, and, and the thing is, is that you can write a character that is completely abrasive. Like I, I usually use house, you know, the television show house on Fox, um, as an example is that you have this character has pretty much almost no redeeming qualities. He's a drug addict. He's um, an asshole. He's rude. He's, he's mean, he's manipulative, you know, he's all these really horrible things. But he's brilliant, and he saves lives, you yeah. know? And so there's something about balancing out the good with the bad. If you can make them balance really evenly and then make sure that the good outweighs the bad by just a smidge, then you've got a really compelling character because there are yeah. reasons to both dislike them and then to love and root for them. Yes. Uh, basically, you just make them human. Because, you know, you look around you, I know a lot of women in my life Mm -hmm. who are smart and strong Mm -hmm. and independent and have problems. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so so the thing is, you know, it's just, I think it's a matter of finding what makes that heroine tick. Why does she do the things she does? Why does she Mm -hmm. not do things that she doesn't want to do? You know, so, so it's... It's really humanizing your character. So you can right, have, to have smart both strengths strong... and flaws. Yes. You know, yes. so everybody is is both strong and good in a lot of ways and they also have flaws, you know. Yes. And it's and not flaws, flaws like make them very interesting. Yeah. It's not flaws like you can't get the the 12 o'clock off your, you know, VCR player. That does right. not count. These have to I be mean, real serious character emotional flaws that she's emotional with. flaws, right. emotional mm-hmm, flaws. Mm-hmm. I think that's really right. important. Okay. Absolutely. Very good. All right. Next question. In a previous mm-hmm. podcast, Lucy and Sam, oh, it should be mm-hmm. Lonnie and Sam. Oh. Don't you, Lucy or, or, or Lucy or and Lucy CJ. And CJ. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. We'll answer to anything. <laughs> we will. Uh, mentioned how helpful it can be to do writing exercises. Where does one find these creative muscle tools? Do you have a book of exercises or do you find them online or do you, do you just make them up? Okay, well, that question was from Kelly J. And Kelly, thank you for asking. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, I think that's okay. No, I just wanted to make sure that we credited the... Oh, okay. That's okay. It's fine. I think you can um, find them basically all over the place. I mean, I know that there's, um, you know, one, for example, a writing exercise where you write a 26-sentence story with each sentence starting alphabetically. So the first sentence starts with A, the second sentence starts with hmm. a word that begins with B, etc. Um, you know, I have no idea where it came from. But if, but if you do a search on the Internet for creative writing prompts, um, hmm. you should be able to find them. I mean, they're all they're out there. They're all over the place. You know, there's oh, millions cool. of them. I didn't even know that. Okay. The one I've used for uh, several exercises uh, 
uh, was one that that actually turned into books mm-hmm. is one we called the one page something or another. I, I don't oh. remember what it was called. <laughs> There's nothing like being specific. <laughs> one page, be it's whatever. the one page something or other bite me. I don't know. <laughs> Basically, you have five, maybe ten minutes to write one page with a basic Mm -hmm. premise. Like, one time we passed out photos of houses in New Orleans, and everyone Uh got a house. And then Uh you had to write the beginning of a story about something that happened in the house. Mm-hmm. And and what you do is you just sit down. It's very quiet. Everybody's like mm-hmm. writing like crazy. You yeah. don't worry about the characterization. You don't worry where the scene is going after that one page or or anything. You just write mm-hmm. a scene. And and well, that's how you did the opening for um, Sight Unseen, wasn't it? That opening yeah, scene with the scooter. That diving. one I mean, and actually Unmasked. Unmasked start that way too. Oh, that opening scene for Unmasked was. Oh yeah. my god, Unmasked is so good. I need to read that again. <laughs> exercises mm-hmm. so oh, i have yeah, a few few more i haven't used but yeah yeah so it's the one page something or other by blah 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 blah. we have that's no right yeah is it a yeah. book is that is the one page something or other a book is that no a- you know we just did it at our chapter like at our chapter oh. meetings yeah oh, it was great okay. so yeah oh all right so it's and just it was one like page. live and then you would read it in front of oh. everybody and you well, wouldn't believe really cool. the amazing scenes that came out of yeah. the, those exercises Mm-hmm. Oh, that's I mean, very cool. So you just pick cool. a random thing, like a picture or whatever, yeah. and then you just yeah. do a page on it. Yeah. Oh, very cool. I like it. Yeah. I like yeah. it. Okay. Well, as a follow-up to Kelly's question, Sarah mm-hmm. asked, uh, do you keep a journal? Do you still do writing exercises? Uh, when you're working on a book, do you only write for the book, or do you allow yourself to noodle around with other ideas when you need a break? Ah. Um, I have no journal. Um, uh-huh. I have not done any writing exercises lately, but that would be mm-hmm. fun. And yes. um, mm-hmm. I'm yeah, it would be. I, I'm not a fast writer, and I work a day job, so I really need to concentrate all my time and energy on the book that's due next. So right. I'm very mm-hmm. focused on what I have you to are. get done. Yeah. You are. Oh my God! With all the stuff you have to do, I can't even. Yeah. I I don't even know how you do it. Um, okay, <laughs> I so drink for a me, lot of wine. Um, I keep a personal journal, um, mm-hmm. you know, just for like little things. I, I don't do it religiously. Uh, the only thing, well, <laughs> of course I'm blogging religiously yeah, now right, because I, right. I came up with this idea that I would blog every day until I'm 40 and I'm kind of stuck <laughs> and, uh, no, it's okay. It's going fine. Um, but anyway, um, but that kind of stuff really isn't related to the fiction writing. Although, mm. I, you know, all writing is greasing the wheels. Any writing that you do, whether yeah. it be, you know, a personal journal, whatever, is kind of greasing those wheels, kind of getting that, that moving. Um, right. You know, so that's always good. But generally, you know, when I'm working on a book, it's it's all I can do to keep my focus and concentration on the one story. Uh, mostly because I just don't have the brain power to focus on more than one thing at once. My brain <laughs> is kind of, my brain is in revolt. Let's just say my brain has gone on strike has no interest in <laughs> farting around with any of this stuff anymore um and I, i'm very lucky to be able to actually work on one book at a time but that's mostly because i'm just deficient in that area um there are a lot of writers i know who work on more than one book at a time and that works for them and that's great so i really think it's a matter of you know personal taste and and how that how that works for you so right all right so now for our next question which is from lily again hi lily hi, um lily. 
I would like to know how you make scenes your own so you know you're not copying or channeling anyone else's ideas. For example, I've just written a scene where my heroine clobbers an evil henchman with a walk. And I, let me tell you, I'm dying to read that scene. Um, <laughs> And Lily continues, as Lily, I'm continuing now. However, I am a huge Cruzy fan. When I reread it, I realized that heroines hitting evildoers over the head with frying pans was a theme in Agnes and the Hitman. How do you make sure you're using your own walk and not someone else's? Well, I I shoot people all the time in my books, and that's been done. You know, it's not something I think about. It's not mm-hmm. something I worry about. Um, I, You know, if you stay true to your story and you stay true to your characters, you really won't have to worry about this either. Right. I mean, basically, an idea becomes your own because you write it in the way, and again, we're coming back to this, you know, the way that only you can write it. It's about how you do it. That makes it yours. I mean, trust me, Cruzy was not the first person to hit somebody in the head with a frying pan in a book. Yeah. <laughs> She's never done it. Personally, I don't think. Um, And, you know, you won't be the last. It's all in how you swing the pan. And, you know, baby, that's all you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. All right. My turn. Um, Oh, okay. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's My turn. And it's no more questions. We're done. (laughs) What I'm doing is I'm, I'm looking up my killer word because I didn't do it earlier. So... Okay, so I'm, I got off a of script. Anyway, it's time for that's the right. Q&A portion of the program. Oh, yes. that's it for the Q&A portion. That's it for the Q&A portion of Jeez. the program. See, oh, it's God. so hard to multitask. This is the way that I am. Like, it's I like can, impossible. I honestly cannot do two things at the same time. I really yeah. can't. Yeah. Cause, All right. Mm-hmm. Remember to visit willwritefourwine.com slash form to join in <laughs> the fun and get your questions answered next month. Right, and now we move on to our latest addictions. Yes, and my latest addiction is Cafe World on Facebook. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, if it involves food, you know I'm there, yeah, right? right? <laughs> and with this game, I get to cook stuff and then serve it. I get to hire my friends and my family to help me out. I get to decorate my, right. my restaurant. I guess mm-hmm. to get to waste a huge amount of time. In a world that does not exist. In other words, it's a lot like writing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you some place I won't be going because you know how I am with food. Oh, my God. I I cook, but I burn everything. I'm just terrible. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I can't even. If if I was on Cafe World, I would be burning everything. It's just that that's the way I am. But anyway, so my latest addiction is reading on my Kindle. I love this thing. Oh, I can't even cool. tell you. Every time anyone suggests a book or an author to me, I just hop on my little candle and I'm like, oh, download a sample. And then it goes right there. And the thing is, I get a sample of every book. I get a sample for free. So I read the first, I don't know, 10 pages or whatever. And then you know mm-hmm. if you want to read more or whatever. I mean, it's just, I love it. It's so awesome. So you know, I know the Kindle has problems. They, like, you know, went into everybody's Kindle and took 1984 out. And, you know, ironically, because it was 1984, which is all about Big Brother, I felt that that had a certain level of, Ooh. you know, poetic irony to it and everything. Yeah. Um, but, you know, whatever. I don't care. I love it. <laughs> I'll take the risk that they're going to come in and steal my copy of Care of the Soul by Thomas More. Whatever. Um, but anyway, my book budget is getting just a little bit out of control because oh, I'm like no. it's so easy just to be like buy this now buy this now buy this now oh, and I find man. that that adds up you know tick after tick after tick yeah. um, but my instant gratification o meter is through the roof 
Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, up next, oh. we have the... Dun, 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 dun. dun. <laughs> Monthly weigh-in. And this is actually a, what, semi-monthly or bi-monthly like or something months. like that. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Two we, months we and one. Yeah, we yeah. So how are you so, doing? Anyway, well, I've been working on A Little Night Magic mm-hmm. um, all month. Um, I've gotten cool. 38,000 words in. That's a mixture of Woo-hoo. edited material, um, already written, and fresh material that I've added. I've got, like, another, I don't know, 30,000 words of um, probably another 25,000 words that are that are written that still need to be edited, and then another 20,000 on top of that, which still need to be written. So, ah. you know, I've still got, I've still got a, a thing ahead of me, but, uh, but I'm really looking forward to finally having this book just done and out there. I really want the yeah. first Lucy March book in the hopper and moving along so I can get moving on to the next one. Yes, so how I'm, are you doing? I'm, I'm dying to read it too. Cause I haven't read <laughs> hardly, you know, I've read, well, I've read different like variations of it, but you've yeah, changed from it. Early so, versions. I changed yeah. it. Oh my God. This book has changed more than it any has. book I've ever written in my life. It is yeah. bizarre. But now I think I'm finally, finally getting a lock on it. Sweet. So dear God, right. this needs to end. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? As some whiffers may know, if they've been following me on mm-hmm. Facebook, I have been screaming busy for the last two months. Uh-huh. In like the last, I would say about the last six weeks, I mm-hmm. have uh, completed the revisions for the first book. Uh-huh. I wrote 50 pages and a 10-page synopsis for the proposal for the second book. <laughs> I did the copy edits for the first book. Oh I judged seven God. novels for the Rita. Oh and my I implemented God. a new website at work. Oh, right. Oh, my God. So, like, you in six been weeks. Oh I've been God. taking vacation days to do the book stuff, and uh-huh. it's it's just insane. Yeah, it's oh. been crazy. So, that's I why I couldn't, I couldn't do the podcast last month. There was no way. Yeah, that was so, crazy. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I handed in the, uh, the last of what I had to do, which was the... Um, copy edits i handed them mm-hmm. in wednesday night Yay. so that's why tonight i'm kind of celebrating <laughs> absolutely tonight is a relaxation night it is. it is all right well good for you that is an amazing mm-hmm. amount of work to have done so yay for you thank you, you. thank you all right well now it's time for our co-host challenge and uh <laughs> again we're doing killer word because it's our favorite and we just can't take the energy to think of a new challenge so <laughs> this is what we're doing um, all right, CJ, do you have your word? Yeah, I do. All right, you ready? Hit me. Yeah, it's Gerverschdemeanor. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You want me to spell this? Okay. Yeah. G E W U R Z T R A M I N E R. Oh my God! A... I can't believe you got that. How'd you get that? I can spell it. I can't say. I, I can get it because I buy the wine all the time. I know how to spell it. I just can't say it. I look at it and I get to go worse with dabba dabba, and I can't. I can't. Gewurz <laughs> Um But anyway, see, you a, said I, it perfect. I tell I you, I you've got to be drunk to, in order to be able. You got to be right. drunk to say it. Yeah, because yeah. I actually have had a couple of glasses of wine. Yeah. When I first tried to say yeah. it, and now. Um, but I, 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 I don't know exactly. Is it some kind of? Is it the grape? Is it? I know it's a wine, but it's based. Is it based on a particular kind of grape, or is that like what? Is it a, a process for how they ferment? It? what is it 
it says it says here that it's actually grape uh, grape variety. So yes. Oh, it's a variety. Okay, it's a variety. But yeah, they, they it's said a variety. Pretty sweet though, the Gewurztraminer, right? Yeah, yeah, it's good. See, now it's I good. can say it. Now but it's not all, too sweet. Gewurztraminer, Gewurztraminer. See, yeah, I tell um, you, it's not too sweet though. It's good. Okay, it's good. All right, and the, the Finger Lakes are... actually makes some of those, so that's cool. Yeah, the Fetzer. I always like the Fetzer Gewurztraminer, but um, uh-huh. now I'm saying it. You, you no, do have like, to be drunk. Little, you do. You do have to be drunk. It's <laughs> rolling right off the tongue. It's a right, secret so... right there. Okay. Go ahead, hit me. So, hey, I give uh-huh. me points for spelling that bastard because <laughs> that was not easy. <laughs> you do. All righty. All right. Okay. So, um, okay. You ready for yours? Uh-huh. It's Petard. 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 P A T A R D. Oh, so close. P E T A R D. And this I picked because specifically I think uh-huh. it could be useful for you and your books. <laughs> oh, Petard. Is that the patina oh, of somebody who's been killed? No, <laughs> it's not. But thank you. Um, it is a case containing an explosive. Used to break down a door or gate or breach a wall, it is a firework that explodes with a loud report. Now, cool. see, I thought you could use that word because that sounds I like, like the kind that. of thing you would have in your book, especially if the wall gets blown up and falls down and kills somebody. I love it. Usually, I just <laughs> stick with like C four, but hey, petard, what? totally, it's a petard. totally could work. The petard is the case, <laughs> but the petard is the case containing. The C4. So it is That's like cool. the name for the suitcase in which you put the C4 that you then blow up the thing with and kill uh-huh. the people. That is a petard. That's See, cool. I thought that could be useful for you. I like that. I like that. <laughs> or it could just be called a casing. But that's good. I like or petard. Whatever. A you make people look or, it up. You know, yeah. <laughs> just because there's always, you can always find a word for something. You know? That's right. <laughs> you know, you had me at. At explosive. Okay. Right. So that's what I thought. <laughs> well, that wraps up our new C block, which is kind of like an old C block now, but we'll be right back. <laughs> With more wine. Woo! <laughs> Are you worried that one Will Write for Wine podcast a month won't be enough for you? Going through withdrawal when you hear the sign off. Having sleepless nights, wondering what, oh what, will Lucy and CJ be discussing on the next show? Well, we've got a cure for your Will Write for Wine fever. No, it's not more cowbell. It's the Whiffer Forums. Yes, you too can participate in the coolest place on the net with the coolest people who listen to the coolest podcast. They talk about wine and writing and duct tape and Max and all sorts of other cool stuff. So stop on over at willwriteforwine.com slash forum. Now back to the coolest podcast ever. Well, it's time for Last Call here on Will Write for Wine. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Yeah, we'll be back with a new episode on the second Friday in April, April 9th to be exact. Mm-hmm. And by mm-hmm. then, spring will have sprung, and it better <laughs> damn well have sprung. <laughs> <laughs> it will, it will. I hope so. In the meantime, everyone head on over to the forums at willwriteforwine.com slash forum and decide 
what we're doing next month because right. you really can't trust us to figure it out on our own. Because what we'll do is we'll just sit here and drink wine and just talk and, and babble. Talk and talk. Right. I know we yeah, need to do another we'll unscripted one. I think one of these days where we just sit oh, down God. and talk, you know, because that is truly, truly painful. And if they don't come up with something better for us to do, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go unscripted. <laughs> they'll on all your be like, they'll be going to the forums like, boom, you know, trying, you know, clicking on the little things. No, moving day, moving day. Anything right. but the apple. <laughs> Anything but the unscripted app. All right. Well, anyway, don't forget to review us at iTunes. Our profile there is getting mm-hmm. really, really dusty, and it's so much fun to have, like, new reviews to read and all that. I know. So. It makes us really, really but happy But only if you love everything. us. If you hate us, just go listen yes. to somebody else. Yeah, right. <laughs> really, it's a like free country. I don't like feedback. I don't it's like it in my writing, country. but in my podcasting. You know, if you don't like me, just go somewhere else. There's a million other podcasts out there that are awesome with people who don't shriek and get drunk. So go do that. Yeah. Yeah, but they're not as much. Now we're gonna get a bunch of one star reviews. We're like, I hate these people. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And also, if you like us, you can vote for us at At Podcast Podcast Alley. Alley. The winners need to organize and do another. When they got us into like the top ten of Podcast Alley for like a nanosecond, we were like, Oh, we're in the top ten. That was so funny. It takes so little to make us happy. It really does. does. I mean. Right. And also, you can buy our Cafe Press merchandise um, at the Cafe Press yes. store. So, Absolutely. I mean, there's that that you can do as well. I know there's a very, very awesome um, water bottle that Sam put on. Oh, Sam. So, I love the water bottle. Now. I have it in my car. It stays there all the time. I keep it filled. Uh-huh. It's great. It's uh-huh. it's ecological or whatever it is. Economical. Right. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> is all of these. And ecological. <laughs> It's green. All of, it's green. All of which yes. are accessible and economical yes. and whatever. And eco- okay. Economical. Yeah. <laughs> like inauguratory. <laughs> <laughs> which I still have not lived down, by the way, from the first episode. I, that's so. true. That's true. You started a whole new language. Mm-hmm. And um, those are all accessible through the links on the front page of our website at willwriteforwine.com. It's just like riding a bike, huh? Pipping the website. (laughs) Right back on that. Uh (laughs) All right. So until next time, this is CJ. And this is Lucy saying if you can't write for money, then write for wine. Yay! See you next month. Bye. Bye. I'm addicted to stress, that's the way that I get things done If I'm not under pressure, then I sleep too long And I hang around like a bum I think I'm going nowhere and that makes me nervous Everybody's had to get me, but I feel alright Everybody-